Truth is, I am Iron Man. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. What is going on? What are you doing? To infinity and beyond! This is the way. The flux capacitor! Is Star Wars the one with the little wizard boy? Chewie, we're home. Avengers! Assemble. Ah, oh, chills. Literal chills. Hello, fellow fans, to United We Fan, the podcast. United with me is my co-host, the Savvy Brian. What up, Brian? Hey, everyone. We hope our fellow fans enjoyed our last episode where we pleaded our cases to hopefully save several films from bad movie jail. On this week's episode, we'll be raising the curtain on three of our favorite Broadway musicals. To help us with this, we'll be heading to the theater with a special guest host who is quite familiar with musicals. Fellow fans, let's hear it for this week's guest host, Patrick. Hey, everybody. Yeah, I'm ready. Oh, you are definitely ready. We even got a musical number. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm kicking, but he can't see it. So it's fine. It's fine. Okay. I was going to ask if you were high kicking or not. Oh, I'm not equity. So it's a lower kick. Oh, Um, lower kick. Good. All right. We can't afford that. Thank you for not being equity. Thank you. Exactly. But first, thank you all for uniting with us as we talk about all things fandom. United We Fan has partnered up with CKCC Radio. They have a large variety of podcasts on their channel, including the show Ranking Tracks with Jeff. You can check all of us out wherever you listen to your podcasts. Host of Ranking Tracks, Jeff recently ranked the self-titled album from the Backstreet Boys. He admitted he was stepping out of his comfort zone with this ranking. I personally am a big fan of the Backstreet Boys. Feel free to judge away. I was excited for this episode, but I didn't quite agree with his rankings or some of his interpretations of the songs. Jeff, I'm eye-rolling with your interpretation of the song, as long as you love me. But that's the great thing about songs. You can interpret them however you want. Brian, are you... uh, backstreeting at all or are you uh staying in sync as long as you love him i think he's going to be able to get over it jeff knows how much i appreciate him patrick uh, i am i'm hoping you're a backstreet boy I, as we touch on this well i think i'm a little older than you guys but back in the day we had trl and it was like <gasps> yeah like you vote for number one it was always a backstreet boys and in sync battle i i like both I like Backstreet Boys for the ballads, like their slow, like tempo songs, and in sync for like the dance songs. This yeah. podcast from Jeff was a whole fun trip down memory lane. I will say, between the two, I want it that way is probably my favorite song from yeah. either one of them. <laughs> but I'm an in sync guy personally. I hope everyone has seen Brooklyn Nine Nine. Nine Nine and thinks of the Backstreet Boys when I want it that way comes on. Well, everybody, we'll quit playing games with your hearts because that's all I have to give. Plus, we've got it going on, and it's time to get down anywhere for you. Did, did we all get those Backstreet that, that Boy references? Yeah, that worked. Yep. I was <laughs> did it work? I went, okay. I, went the journey. I was on the journey with you. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. thank you. Brian, were you uh, in sync with me on that? Bye, bye, bye. Well, this I promise you, I'll stop making the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC puns and uh, move on. And Mark and Brian's world news, Marvel just dropped a whole lot of updates and casting news on us. Brian, there's a new She-Hulk out there, and I think it's from a show that we love. Who is it? 
Tatiana Maslani. She was in a show called Orphan Black, which a lot of people have been watching. The only things I know her from, I never watched Orphan Black. The only things I know her from are a couple of episodes that she was on Parks and Rec. She was the nurse Nadia. She came to the office to apply for a Doctors Without Borders thing, and Tom had such a crush on her, he spoke in a British accent. Tom, this witch wants to reserve a park for her satanic ritual. Can you help her? Right, smashing. Uh, yes, I'm Thomas Haverford. I sort of run the whole department. Um, what was the name then? Uh, Nadia Stotsky. I'm from Doctors Without Borders. Brilliant. The old D's without B's. She's our new She-Hulk Jennifer Walters. And Mark, you know I wanted Darcy Carden from The Good Place, Janet, to be Jennifer Walters, but this is a good choice. I'm really excited about it. I would have been happy with that casting as well, but I definitely checked her out, Parks and Rec, and then a couple of other projects she's done. I'm I'm there. I'm for it. It's on Disney+. Plus. I'll be watching. Speaking of Disney+, Plus, we're still going to get a show this year. It, it, Brian, I know you and I were hoping for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I'm still excited for WandaVision. We're still getting it this year, so yay. I know less about WandaVision now that we've seen a trailer than I thought I knew about <laughs> WandaVision before we saw a trailer. This show looks absolutely bonkers. It's going to be crazy. I mean, I've dove into the House of M comics since that trailer dropped. Yeah. This show's going to be crazy. I am very, very interested. And we're getting Jimmy Woo, who played Asian Jim on The Office. Yes. He's, he's <laughs> reprising his character from Ant-Man and the Wasp. I can't wait to see him. There's been a whole bunch of uh, stuff. I can't wait for that series. All we know is it's coming in 2020. So my guess yep. is Christmas Day, the week after Mandalorian finishes. I got a real Doctor Who vibe from it. So I'm hoping it's fun like that. It's got a Truman Show vibe to it, too. Next year... I know this year we're not going to get any Marvel movies. I, I, I'm good with them pushing them all back for when everything feels better, more comfortable. Next year, fanboys, we're going to be geeking out with not one, not two, but three Marvel movies. Brian, hit me with the first one to come out. Uh, you're, you're shorting us one, Mark. We're actually getting four Marvel Studios <gasps> movies next year. We've got, I, I think you got your wish, Mark. I think Mulan must have not performed very well on Disney Plus, so everything got pushed back. So we're not getting Black Widow um, on Premiere Access, so they pushed everything back. We're getting Black Widow on May 7th. Yay. Shang-Chi is moving from that date uh, back to July 9th of 2021. Yay. And Eternals is going to be then a year after its original date. Um, it's now going to be November 5th of 2021. Yay. And then December 18th, we are getting Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3 is not a, it's a Marvel Studios movie, but it's distributed by Sony, so it's a little there bit There we different. go. So that's there why I'll give you the credit, Mark. You. Okay. Yeah. The problem with Spider-Man is Tom Holland is still filming the movie Uncharted. Um, they haven't even started filming Spider-Man 3 yet. And with coronavirus, COVID precautions... While they're filming movies again, and we know they're filming Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki again, we could very well get both of those on Disney Plus even before we see Black Widow. But all the filming's taking a lot longer. So yeah. with filming Uncharted, he needs to get filming on Spider-Man 3 soon if it's going to make that date in December. So I'm just going to say for all those fanboys out there, I meant the solely Marvel Studios films 3. I didn't mean for those partners up with Sony. But Brian, thank you for keeping me honest. <laughs> I made his spider senses, his uh, Peter Tingle with anger because I forgot him. That's my bad. 
Please stop saying Tingle May. Black Widow. That was a movie theater movie, so I'm glad it didn't go to Disney+. Shang-Chi, I'm excited for seeing a Marvel Kung Fu movie. I think that's going to be epic. Eternals, I think, will be something unlike any comic book movie we'll see. And then, of course, Spider-Man. We get to see what happened when Peter Parker's Spider-Man gets outed by J. Jonah Jameson and Mysterio. I'm excited. It's quite possible that Spider-Man's going to need himself a lawyer. We could see Daredevil Charlie Cox show up. We could see Jennifer Walters jump from She-Hulk to Spider-Man to be Peter Parker's lawyer. The possibilities are endless. I can't wait. And then last little throw out there, if you're looking for something fun to watch on Netflix, I checked out Marathon Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. It's animated, but don't let that stop you. It's definitely on the same par as the other Jurassic Park films as far as maturity, and it takes place shortly before and during the first Jurassic World movie. Is Owen and Chris Pratt make an appearance in this show? I will not give any spoilers. Brian, I know you like your spoilers, but I'm going to stay mum on the world. Word. World. Is there is there a woman running in heels the whole time? Um, no. That okay, I will spoil. Okay, okay. Good. They they <laughs> gave the uh, the females in the show in the in the show proper shoes for running from dinosaurs. Okay, great. Okay. Mark and Brian's world polls. We had some fun ones recently. My most recent was finding out my friend's favorite 2000s movie. So favorite movie from 2000 to 2009. The winner ended up being Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Why is the rum gone? Just beating out The Dark Knight. Coming in third place, I'm going to call it a surprise Cinderella story, The Princess Diaries. Shut up! That just beat out Jim Carrey's The Grinch, one of Chris's uh, favorite. The favorite best picture was Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. And the favorite highest grossing film from that time frame was The Dark Knight. So any favorites from you, gentlemen? For The Princess Diaries (laughs) to come out on top of Lord of the Rings, any of the three Lord of the Rings really hurts my feelings. I want to throw a candidate in there that we just rewatched last night, introduce our kids to the first time, and that was Amy Adams' Enchanted. That movie Aww. is hilarious. Yeah. So that one should have done a little better as well. But The Dark Knight and Curse of the Black Pearl, those those are two worthy yeah. finishers at the end. I um, surprised everybody when I was finding out everyone's favorite highest grossing movie, which was The Dark Knight, but... Mission Impossible 2 was the highest grace, grossing movie of that year that it came out. And I was shocked, but I asked everyone if they were shocked. And everybody was like, man, not really. So I'm shocked a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's the worst of the Mission Impossibles. I'll go on record mm-hmm. and say that. Brian, your most recent Mount Rushmore was finding out everyone's favorite on-screen car. Non-Batmobile, so sorry, Bat fans. Brian just wanted to know everyone's favorite on-screen car that wasn't the Batmobile. Brian, what made your top four? The more I've looked at this list, I felt like I rushed it. And the longer I look at it, I feel like I nailed it. Um, <laughs> I The Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters, absolutely qualifies the delorean from back to the future absolutely qualifies the 1967 shelby gt500 eleanor from gone in 60 seconds say what you want about nicholas cage i love that movie i love that car and i don't even love mustangs but i love that car and then my last one kit from knight rider i love kit kit's the best i am the voice of night industry 2000s microprocessor k-i-t-t for easy reference 
a kit if you prefer. What a fun car. Yeah, I, you and I shared the Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters and the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Actually, Brian, have you seen Ernie Kleins, the author of Ready Player One? He got a custom-made DeLorean that actually has the kit light on it. So just like from the book and the movie. Did you happen no, to see that awesome. matchup? No, that's awesome. Yeah, check that out. And then uh, rounding out my top four, I also had a Mustang, but I went from the Mustang from the Steve McQueen movie, Bullet. And then my fourth one was Bond, James Bond's <laughs> Aston Martin. Just the classic one. Love it. Goosebumps. Patrick, I can't wait to hear uh, what your Mount I... Rushmore's like any cars with four wheels and eight <laughs> so <laughs> you can it. have mine if the price is right <laughs> if the price is right no i'm a i lease don't worry um, <laughs> um probably grease lightning from greece good um, choice the no mobile the um third one is probably inspector gadget's car oh yeah yeah that's a good one the and matthew then, broadwick one yeah I can I say the cartoon? <laughs> oh, look out! Cartoon okay. works for me. Yeah, the cartoon's yeah. better than the Matthew Broderick. Oh, get you gadget! You never got him. No, it's fine. <laughs> and then um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang from the movie Chitty Chitty yes. Bang Bang, because that yep. song is so dang catchy that it's in your head all day. So mm-hmm. you brought up Grease Lightning. Mm-hmm. So are you for when um, Danny? gets to sing that song in the movie or do you think they should have kept the original? Well, I grew up, I think most of us grew up watching the movie first. Okay. Um, and then I actually did the show many years ago and we, it was because the, <laughs> the actual stage production is way raunchier than the movie. Yeah. That's why I keep it's hearing basically like almost rated 13 rated R situations happening in language. Oh, um, I don't mind it because they were capitalizing on John Travolta and Jeff Conway, you know, rest in power, buddy, but not yeah. a singer. Yeah. So I was I was OK with it. I mean, we have a cast of 30 year olds playing high schoolers and kind of like, whatever, <laughs> it is that fun. Let's just, let's just do it. Yeah. Now it's time to take our seats for today's performance. Starting, we'll go with Broadway's longest-running show. I will go ahead and say it. My favorite Broadway musical, and I know I'm going to get some gas for that, and there are a couple of shows I have seen lately that might actually take that spot from it, but for now, I'll say Family Opera is my favorite. Patrick, Mm -hmm. I already heard you gasp. This is your show to showcase, so take it away. So I think a lot of people my age have a close connection with Phantom because, um, you know, 18, 1989, it really took off. And when I was a kid, the big thing in sixth grade was to go to Toronto for a two-day field trip and go see Phantom as part of, like, the package. Oh. So, like, I saw it at a very young age. And then my family went to go see it on vacation a couple of years later because I played in Toronto for, like, a very, very long time. And then also a fun story is that when I used to live in New York City, I used to sell merchandise at the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. So oh. it was cool. So um, I sold programs. The program ship was over by the show start. But if you want to, you can stay and watch the show. So I did a few times. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a, it's an imprint. It is. Everyone knows the mask. They know the logo. They know the music. Yeah. Even if you don't like musicals, you know that music. And I mean... 
we have to do we have to give it its respect it came out in the west end in 1986 and yeah. broadway debut debut was um 1988 so it there's a reason it's running for this long of oh a my time. gosh yeah yeah and um i think a big part of that was um rest in peace howard um howard prince the director yes. i heard once a month checked in with the cast and i gave him oh that's good and they, they, they keep putting, you know, new people into it each year and stuff. So um, there's a rumor that it might not open when Broadway's back open, but I think it will come back. So I can't imagine. Oh, I hope it does uh, because... Phantom, yeah. Yeah, my last trip there, I couldn't see every show I wanted. Believe me, I wanted to. And Phantom... Same, same, yeah. Phantom got on the chopping block because I always said, it'll be there next time. And I'm hoping no. I didn't just wish it to. <laughs> oh, I hope I didn't just. You're the it's reason, fault. man. It's you're the reason no. it's not going to make it. Yeah. I'm so sorry, everyone. It's over now. The music of the night. I think but, I think it will come back because um, it's actually the largest generator of income for jobs on Broadway and in the U.S. theatrical industry, which I was reading about. And I mean, I think Broadway will need that. Stable. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It's also not the most expensive show, and it's a safe bet if you're like, mm-hmm. I want to see a musical. All right, Phantom. You know, let's yeah. let's do it. Yeah. I think it'll be great. And let's not forget, it is the Olivier and Tony winner for best musical. Which, um, like in our podcast, I don't, I don't think it should have won best musical that year. But oh, what should have won? Into the Woods. Oh, really? Yeah, like show wise, I think Into the Woods is better. It's better structured. You can do Into the Woods in any. You can do big. You can do a small. Like right. I think a really well done show. No one had me with a book yeah. score and music. You know, um, can be done in any fashion. But yeah. Phantom has to be done big. You can't do Phantom in like a black box theater with like no. You're a right. The chandelier. It has to be like. I was gonna big, say you at least so. need the chandelier falling down, right? You do, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, if you go on YouTube, there's plenty of videos of the chandelier I, falling down. Yeah, I wish I could have caught. Speaking of chandeliers, the show when it was in Vegas because they had a yeah. special chandelier just for that. And then when it the was show left, three parts and it came together. It's on YouTube. You can watch yeah. it. Like it's it was impressive. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Original cast. You had Michael Crawford, who I think just knocked it out of the part park as Phantom. And then Sarah Brightman, who I have a celebrity crush on, and I love her in the Repo, the genetic opera film. For all you fans out there, check her out in that. Yeah. So, but I, I remember I listened to the cast recording and heard them both, and they just they hit every note perfectly. And um, I I would be lying if I didn't say that I would try to hit the high note at the end of the (laughs) opera, like Christine. Which is, um, here's a fun fact. When I worked the show, I found out that High Notes actually pre-recorded. Oh, does Wicked do it as well? They don't. So here's Whoa. thing. So Christine only does six shows a week. Oh. I about eight shows. So yeah. that happened with Sarah Brightman when she came over. She's like, I need to have two days off. I mean, she does, she's on stage for like 80% of the show, so... Yeah, I true. Think, but the high notes pre-recorded. The beginning of the main song was recorded as well because of the fog going into the orchestra pit. Oh, they can't yeah. Skip. So they play it, and there's people in the place of the Phantom of Christine walking on stage. If anyone has not seen it, um, <laughs> spoilers. All concert is really great. With um, who I think is the best Phantom and the best Christine. 
Ramin Kelamu and Sierra Vargas to me are the best. I have pairing. a huge celebrity crush on Sierra as well. I follow that her on social good. media. Yeah, yeah. she's and Andrew yeah. Lloyd Webber. He agrees with you. Um, I I thought that was a little jab at Sierra. We talked. We talked about it. We talked about it. We we're like, I was like, Andrew, when you talk about Sierra. Well, he came right out and said she's the the best performance of Christine. She is if you like listen to interviews and stuff with her, her take on it is very fresh. And you can tell she loves it. And did, did you know Sarah Brightman and Weber were married at one point? I did. I I, I did know that. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I you know Andrew Lloyd Webber. I was just surprised. Oh, I'm sorry. Should we say the Lord? Yeah, <laughs> he is a Lord. He is a Lord. That is true. And I mean, the Lord of the Billions. Oh, we, Weber. Do you think yeah. we could get away with Andy? Andy, Andy Weber. You know what? Next time I talk to him, I'll, I'll ask him. I'll yeah, like, can you? Yo. Like, and then, oh, Andy. Yeah, that's terrible. And then ask him about the sequel to Phantom of the Opera, uh, Love Never Dies. I was very fortunate when I was in London. I got to catch the West End, not the original version, the updated version of Love Never Dies. Nice. And okay. I, from what I hear, I was fortunate to see the updated version. Um. And I can say I saw it. It's a beautiful production. I think the production is amazing. But I am not one for the storyline. It is not canon for me. It makes no sense. None whatsoever. any kind. I don't think it's a basic storyline. The Phantom is still around. He's in America. Christine and the Phantom's relationship was not fully told in Phantom. Nope. <laughs> and some some more happened to that story. I do not like what they did to Raul. Oh, um, the, well, it's kind of like a TV show. You make like the good guy the bad guy, so your bad guy looks better. Yeah, and then they tried well. to make the Phantom the yeah. good guy. Ugh. I think it's a love story, by the way. I don't think the whole story is a love story. No, I'm not like and, oh, it's so romantic. It's not to me, at least. Yeah, and check out check out the album. I don't think it's the worst album. No, it's like three songs I have on my iPod at all times, my iPhone. Yeah. Because um, there's really good. Do you know he wrote the score like 10 years ago? But his yes. cat deleted it because he has like a, the piano that like records the music automatically. And his like, cat went across the keyboard and like deleted the whole score. So I, I think the cat was just getting back at him for cats. Oh, that should be another podcast. Okay. <laughs> and then. <laughs> But, I mean, if anybody wants to watch Love Never Dies, they did record it. Um, Mm -hmm. Sierra, Lady Sierra, is in it um, playing Christine. So Yeah. And she she said the show was, until the day she left, was always changing. They were always in rehearsals or doing that. um, I believe the original production you might be able to catch on YouTube. You brought up the movie directed by Joel Schumacher who did other movies besides Batman. You can just tell Joel Schumacher took a lot of direction from Andrew Lloyd Webber for this. Starring Gerard Butler from 300, Patrick Wilson from Insidious and Watchmen. I will say this, I loved Patrick Wilson in it. The movie has a lot of flaws, Mm -hmm. but Patrick Wilson was brilliant in it. Speaking of the movie, before I forget, Ramin Caribou, who played the Phantom numerous times, plays Christine's father in the movie. Oh. So he's actually, and he played Raul at some point, too. So he's the only actor to play, like, all three 
men in poor Christine's life. That's something <laughs> like, to brag about. There you go. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and, um, Hugh Jackman was, post, was the original choice for The Phantom. Oh. And um, Katie Holmes was going to do it as Christine. Oh, she boy. Had, it was Anne Hathaway was going to do it as Christine. Oh, I would have loved that. But she had a contract with Princess Diaries 2, so she couldn't do it. I mean, Gerard Butler, they said his audition was you had to sing Music of the Night, and you can definitely tell he's auto-tuned. I'm, it still doesn't sound good. I So, Patrick, here's what I'm going to throw out to you. And, Brian, feel free to chime in with... Throw it to me. I'm going to throw in which one is better, mm. okay, and worse out of these three. So, better, okay, and worse. You ready? Gerard Butler... Phantom of the Opera, Russell Crowe from Les Mis. Worst. Or Pierce Brosnan from Mamma Mia 1. Three-way tie. No, 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 no. Worst for me uh, was in Les Mis, Russell Crowe. I I was not a fan. I'm actually going to go with Pierce Brosnan as the best of the three. I'm going to agree with you because in Mamma Mia 2-ish, 2-ish sequel, prequel, um, he did way better. (laughs) Yep. So he actually had the potential, I think, of Butler <laughs> Man as well. Because the fans post be kind of like, they try to make him sexy in the movie. Yeah. But like the unmasked part, I'm like, you have like eczema. Like, you're fine, dude. Like, you're, you're <laughs> deformed. Like, you're still very attractive. I think what didn't help Gerard is that the lip syncing, whoever did the sound mixing for the film did not mix it up properly for them. I'm not a sound mixer. I know that job is very difficult. I have friends who do it, so I know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But you, I don't think that helped him at all. And for such an iconic role, you, you needed someone who didn't need to be auto-tuned. No. And then yeah. I, I do love poking the theater snob bears when I say, oh, Russell Crowe wasn't that bad in Les Mis. I mean, he's a... He does have a rock band, so he sang it like his rock band self. I don't think he was I mean, bad. Had it been like a non-musical version of Les Mis, I'd be like, you're amazing. That's out there. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, but, he did yeah. give us a really good meme from that movie, him looking out the window. He did. I mean, that's, <laughs> true. that's true. And um, uh, they were actually going to do the movie years ago with the original cast. It was going to happen like in the late 1980s. Oh. But then Brightman and Weber got divorced in a it like all fell apart because of like settlement. Uh, yeah. So who yeah. knows? We could, have, we could have really had an awesome movie. The movies there, I I remember when I first saw it, I got caught in the stardust and was just like, oh, I love Phantom yeah. of the Opera. I love it. Love like it. The love opening. It. The opening yep. is great. They and nailed I was like, that this opening. This is Moulin Rouge's opening. Oh. <laughs> and but then, it was cool though. It was cool. I, I did enjoy it at the time. Yes. I even had the two-disc album. I was all about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for this episode, I was like, you know what? I haven't watched this in a long time. I'm going to rewatch it. Same. And several several parts (laughs) dragged. Oh, my God. When he's walking her down to um, the the dungeon and then the horse. So she's like a horse, and then she walks like five feet to the boat, correct? Yeah. I'm like, what? Uh, was that a horse eating? Like, is it hay? Does it go outside? Like, that poor horse. I I would Where's love that? to see. Yeah, can we get a spinoff? 
Uh, Mr. Mr. Lloyd Webber, can we get instead of Warhorse, get Andy. Phantom Horse? Get on Andy. Yeah. Oh, it's Andy to you. That's right. Yeah. Andy's coming. <laughs> yeah. But overall, I mean, Missed we talked. Missed. All right. Well, let's. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna keep with this. We have the Phantom of the Opera movie adaptation. We have the Les Mis adaptation and the Mamma Mia adaptation. Let's go with best, okay, and worst. I'm an ABBA fan, so give me Mamma Mia too. all day long. Yeah. And I like Amanda Street as well, so that's part of it. Yeah. Mamma Mia, if I'm picking up the three, again, I've been very silent over Phantom of the Opera because I do apologize, <laughs> but I, one, okay. have a hard time listening to soundtracks for something I've never seen because yeah. I can't really place it into the story as well. And two, I know the Phantom music. I don't love the Phantom music. Um, so for me, when it comes to the musicals, I mean, I know the music of all three, but I'm an ABBA fan, so I would go with Mamma Mia. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I am, I am too, because Dancing Queen plays, man, you can't not, like, dance yeah. right happy. I'll go Les Mis is the middle, and uh, Phantom is probably the worst of the three adaptations for me. I would concur. Except for Les Mis, there's so many, like, the takes are weird, like, the underneath takes and, like... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. He did go for those close-up, like, I'm going to get you right in there. Which I'm like, that's great. But I'm like, it doesn't look all the time, though. It's a, it's a little rough. Yeah. Right. But you're talking about it as an adaptation. How about an actual show? I would assume it sounds like Fanta's on, on the top for both of you. I would probably, it would probably be um, Les Miserables, Fanta, Mamma Mia. Okay. I, Les Mis, I cry every time I see it. Fanta, I don't. This is really hard, and I I hate how Fano or sorry Les Mis is starting to get a overrated bad rap. So many of my like yeah. theater snob friends are just putting down Les Mis, and I go, look, just give it another chance, one day more. Are you like know. look down, look down, look down. <laughs> don't you look down on Les Mis? I mean, I saw um, the most recent national tour, and it's it's downsized, and it still plays beautifully I, in the story. I think as you get older, the story makes more sense to you, like the yeah. human emotion, especially right now happening in the world. You know, it's it's, it's a good I, show, which is nice. That's just it. Lay Miz has the advantage of, I've seen two smaller productions here in Orlando, mm -hmm. and when Empty Chairs happens, ugh, just tears in the whole theater for yeah. Empty Chairs. So, but if you were to be like, hey, Mark, tickets which one do you want to go to it would be phantom les mis and then mama mia mama so. mia after we go to happy hour and just like because when <laughs> i saw it on broadway it was just like a giant happy hour and it was just fun i have to give a shout out to my other friend patrick who one day just jokingly we're talking about man i wonder if there's going to be a third mama mia and of course there's, recently yeah. recently they just announced they're working on it but he be, goes yeah he goes, oh, yeah, it's going to be called Papa Pia. And it's going to be about the dads. And Papa Pia. I lost it. So, Patrick, if you're listening, not Sir Patrick who's with us, but another Patrick, I still laugh at Papa Pia. And shout out, if you have um, Spotify, and I think it's on iHeartRadio, Josh Groban and Kelly Clarkson did a cover of oh, a couple of the you. Phantom songs, and yeah. they just nailed it. So They're amazing. I love them. Yeah. Good call. No need to use your wish. We're going to move on to Brian's musical choice from Disney. We get Aladdin coming da, da, out. Da, 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 da. Um, 
coming out in 2014, a Best Musical nominee. Disney, I believe, knocked it out of the park with this production. Brian, take it away. So when I was told that I, I would need to pick a play that I would like to review for this podcast, I will tell you I have seen Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. I have seen Wicked about 15 years ago. I have seen Aladdin twice. And I have seen Book of Mormon. That is it. And a high school production of Les Mis. That is the extent <laughs> of my Broadway uh, knowledge. So it was fairly easy for me considering I've seen Aladdin twice and it's been the most recent. But um, I have not seen it on Broadway. I saw it when it came here to Orlando earlier this year, actually. Um, I was in the seventh row because we walked in and my Ooh. daughter was dressed. My daughter was dressed in a Princess Elsa dress and some guy said, hey, these two seats are open and you're cute, so come on down. So that's the oh, secret. A little bit. The better set. The, the, I know. Secret? Just dress Elsa? Okay, done. Patrick, yep, exactly. you Amazon and I, Prime. next Amazon time, Prime. we're going to go get some drinks and try it. Going to get a weed? <laughs> I'm good. Ready to go. Wait, am I going to be Anna in this? Yeah. It's not about uh, you. It's about me as Elsa. Gosh. Wow. Wow. True Elsa look out, right there. Look outside channel. of your own worldview, Mark. Oh my okay, god. Anyway, so we were close <laughs> enough. We have the the strips of confetti and stuff that fell um during the Prince Ali start of the second oh, act. Like she yeah. she absolutely loved that play and my wife, we were sitting there, I said my wife would really like this, so I got the cheapest seats I could for so we could go and we were near the top. So I've seen it from oh, nice. from both angles. Yay. So but yeah. it was it was a whole it was a whole lot of fun. I like what they added to a lot of it. The Proud of Your Boy musical, I don't really love that storyline. Oh, um, oh, I love Brian, it. Brian, that it's is my just, favorite addition to the show. It's my least favorite of addition, personally. Um, the Babcat, Omar, Aladdin, and Kasim is far and away my favorite addition to the show. I really <laughs> like those four guys being one thing. I think it gives Aladdin a better story. I did like that, but there's nothing better than the Friend Like Me 10-minute musical That's great. of yeah. the dancers yeah. and just the entire Cave of Wonders and all that kind of stuff is just really, really cool. Um, and it was Michael James Scott was the genie when it was here in Orlando, and he was incredible. And obviously, genie steals the show. That's the whole, the play is kind of built upon genie. It was just really, really cool. And the flying carpet is incredible. I don't know exactly how they did it, uh, but it's really cool to watch. Yeah, Michael James Scott, I was very blessed to be able to have, like in my head, it was a 30-minute personal conversation where we're best friends, but probably in real life, it was like five, maybe 10-minute conversation. You and Mikey? You and Mikey? <laughs> we just had a fun chat where I got to tell him how, oh, I just caught him in Aladdin. And he was just so down to earth, just wanted to hear my thoughts on it, just wanted to talk about like my enjoyment of the show and just one of the greatest guys ever. Now tell me if like, cause in, when it was here in Orlando, he pulled out a pair of Mickey ears out of his pants. I would assuming he I has something for every city yeah. that he goes to. I would assume I, I mean the Mickey <laughs> ears would play in just about every market I would assume, but especially Orlando, but I, I mean, it was just it was just a whole lot of fun. I really liked I, the sets were really impressive. The moon and all that kind of stuff, like all the stuff within the within the palace is really well done. Iago was my favorite character. I really enjoyed that interpretation of Iago. Mm -hmm. Just again, my very limited knowledge of Broadway, though, all the colors, all the costumes, really incredible, really well done. We can't talk about the genie without talking about James Monroe Inglehart, who deservedly won the Tony 
for his role as the genie. And he just loves Disney and loves life. So it's just nice to see someone that passionate and good, like, win and be happy and so all that stuff. Yeah. I saw, I, I, I saw him. Did I see him? I think I saw him on Broadway. Oh, lucky. I saw well, it twice. You've been to so many, you don't even know who you've seen. I and who you haven't. I, I'm pretty sure I, I can almost tell you <laughs> the date. I can almost tell you the dates I've seen every single play I've ever been to. Had effects, so blessed. I saw the original cast, and I saw it like a year later, two years later. So, Brian, I love the song "Proud of Your Boy," and I was glad Please. it was included. And I, friend like me, that number. I wish I could just hit skip back to watch it again, but. I will say this, when I saw it, A Whole New World was underwhelming to me. I I was not blown away by the carpet ride. Maybe it was just the performers just, I, I feel like they just weren't feeling it maybe, but that number didn't blow me away like it should have for A Whole New World. Didn't you buy a $20 drink at intermission? Because that would have helped. Oh, maybe. No. More. Oh, no. I just... I did the uh, $20 gummy bears. Oh, nice. This is when it pays to be a little bit ignorant when you walk in, because I had no idea there was a carpet at all. Like, I didn't know Uh... anything. Like, I would be that guy strolling into Phantom and, like, a chandelier falls, and (laughs) I would be surprised thinking I'm about to die kind of deal. Like, why is no one one leaving the theater? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Brian, I I wish I... I could have seen your face when the carpet just takes off flying. Yeah, me and my seven-year-old both, man, jaws on the ground going, man, that's really cool. Like, I'm just thinking it's on some sort of string or whatever. I don't <laughs> I don't know the world of Broadway that well. So, I mean, like I said, ignorance is bliss sometimes. And yep. I like the carpet scene a lot in Act 2, but the carpet has, like, no real purpose in the show. We need a flying carpet in Act 2. So, because in the movie, the carpet's such a big part to me at the yep. story end. Yeah. Even yep. the live-action remake so they didn't yeah. have a guy running around in a carpet costume the whole time like that wouldn't have really <laughs> worked in either, california so. when the theme parks did it the aladdin theme park yeah I, oh. i've seen, I've seen that it. show yeah. i've seen that awesome. that was funny yeah. it was amazing and then i i love jafar i'm glad they made him more like comedic in the musical mm-hmm. i loved his performance and just i actually got quite a bit of chuckles from him going back to comparing and whatnot what did we all think of the live action movie adaptation with Will Smith? It's no Lion King. Oh, get out of here, Brian. <laughs> I'm just going to flip I the mean, computer right now. I do not like Guy Ritchie's filming style. Um, I had a real hard time with that. I will say I walked out of that movie liking it better than I thought I would. I don't enjoy the speed up, slow down. Yeah. Um, intentional, hey, this is a really bright color because I want your screen to be really bright rather than have it fit within the set. But I will say I liked the movie more than I thought I would. I did not like Jafar even a little bit. Handsome or not, give me a little voice inflection. I didn't really care for him. I think they did a really pretty good job, quote unquote, 2020-ifying Jasmine a little bit, giving her a little bit more yeah. of, uh, of that story. I like her song. Um, Speechless. I don't like the reprise of Speechless. I don't think it fits, but I think the original time we hear it, it works. I like The Handmaiden. Will Smith did an okay job, but again, we've discussed, I don't really love the live-action remakes anyway. Yeah, I I like it definitely way better than the travesty that is The Lion King. (laughs) I like it better than Dumbo. 
It surprised uh, me. Uh. Will Smith, I was one of those people who was questioning things when I first saw him in the preview, but I think he gave a very good creative adaptation of the genie. I'm glad he didn't just try to be Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. They knew what they were getting with Will Smith. I Jafar, I know a lot of people, Brian, you're not alone. A lot of people had issues with his casting. I, I didn't get taken out of the moment. Guy Ritchie, I love his British films like Sherlock and uh, Snatch, but his speed-up style, and he was missing his quick dialogue in this one. Oh, check out his King Arthur movie. Very underrated. Speechless, I think, is a brilliant song. I don't... I think it ruined the pacing of the movie. I'm glad we got more to Jasmine mm-hmm. rather than just, I'm a princess, I have a cute tiger, hear me roar. <laughs> so I'm glad we got more to her, but I think Speechless ruined the pacing of the movie. But overall, I enjoyed it. I, I do agree with you. There are a lot of bright colors in this movie. Somebody online says Speechless sounds like a cut song from High School Musical. Oh, I was like, that's kind of true. That kind of that tracks. That tracks. You give me a basketball dribbler in the background of that scene, and I'm in. It sounds like we're all in this together on this movie. Oh, next up, we're gonna head to Beetlejuice, the ghost with the most. Opened in April 2019 on my last trip to New York, I said. Two shows I have to see. There's no... I planned my trip around them. It was Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, part one and two. And which, if you haven't seen it, it is a play unlike anything you will see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the other show was Beetlejuice. I loved it. I saw it the first day. I loved it so much. I had to see it a second time while I was on my trip. It is in the Winter Garden Theater, which... I geeked out about because shortly before that, I watched Gilda Radner's Live from New York, which was in oh. the Winter Garden. Yeah. And let's see, Patrick, what I thought other... you said cats at first. I thought you say, oh, uh, cats played there. Well, that's one of them. I was going to say, what other two huge shows premiered at the Winter Garden? Cats was one of them. And cats the other one? Um, What's the other one I'm thinking of? School of Rock. Oh, that is a big one. But I was Here thinking of a different one. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia, yes. Also at the Winter Garden. Like Funny Girl also premiered there too. So. Oh, no. <laughs> I was thinking of Mamma Mia and Cats. Here we go again. Okay. I know. In the title role, Beetlejuice is played by Alex Brightman, who was also in School of Rock. So he's not new to that theater. And Rename the theater, the Brightman Theater. Just rename it. It has a nice ring, and he was a Tony nominee, and if he would have won, I would have said rightfully so, but unfortunately, that year, another big show came out called, I think, Town. so that one took a a lot of it, but if you can see Alex Brightman as Beetlejuice, it will be worth whatever trip and money you need to make it happen. He is... Beetlejuice. Patrick, Brian, yes. any thoughts on the... Um, I, unfortunately, I'm not sure everyone knows that Beetlejuice, the show has closed. Yep. It was supposed to close June 7th, but with the shutdown happening, it ended up never doing its last performance. I actually saw the very last Thursday performance of their oh. show. 
Wow. I had a great time when I saw it. Um, there's some really catchy music, some really cool effects. Alex Brightman was just so charming, and he played with the audience. And um, I liked how it wasn't a direct adaption of the movie. Agreed. They changed it up. Um, when I saw it next to me was a guy dressed as Beetlejuice. So, like, that was fun. Like, he was living yep. his best life. And I and think that, like, yeah. that goes to, like, the show. When you see Rocky Horror or Evil Dead, even, the fans who get into it and dress a little bit for the show, yeah. mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice hit a nerve with that hot topic, fun little, like, fandom crowd. And it was great to see it. Exactly. And um, that show didn't do very well in the beginning. Like, the reviews weren't that great. Right. It was slow to pick up. But then um, a thing the kids play with TikTok happened. And someone in the cast, um, the the soundtrack on TikTok worked really well. And it kind of exploded all of a sudden, I feel like. So, I mean, it, it was the most streamed Broadway album from 2018 to 2019, and I still have it on my favorite yeah, it's a Spotify very, it's list. It's one of the best well-made cast albums that has come out in a very long time. And for anyone who, like, goes, oh, you know, I heard okay things, it was a Tony nominee for Best Musical. Yeah, And as the show went on, the word of mouth got bigger and bigger, and it became very successful. Now, it is called Show Business, and I understand why they, the Winter Garden Theater is in prime location for Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I understand when you have a name like Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster doing The Music Man. Never heard of them. Is that a new show? What is that? I, I know. That, that move, I mean, as a business, you're going to go, Beetlejuice will make, it'll probably take three years for Beetlejuice to make what The right. Music Man will make in a year. You know? I mean, I'm going it, to see Music Man in May, so. Oh, so you're the reason, Patrick, that Beetlejuice is there. I bought the entire year. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there there are rumors that they're going to try to find a new home for Beetlejuice, yeah. but I think people don't realize how expensive that is because yeah. the the stage show is made for the Winter Garden Theater. It's not mm-hmm. like you can just pick it up and move it and. I know it is going to tour, so if it comes to a town near you, go see it. Go yeah. sit as close as possible. Try to sit as center as possible and just be prepared to be blown away. Like I said earlier, I have a hard time with putting myself from listening to a soundtrack, especially from an original Broadway production, and putting myself kind of in that story and really understanding the context of everything. But I, the song Dead Mom was absolutely yeah. my favorite uh-huh. as yeah. I was getting yeah. ready for this episode. That show... Or that song was really funny. Say My Name, obviously really good. That's the TikTok famous one that I've heard yeah. the most. But, but Dead Mom, I that has been added to my list. That that really made me laugh. Sophia Ann Caruso plays Lydia. And I was blown away as like the opening song, Invisible, when she comes on, knocks it out of the park. And I was very upset that she was not Tony nominated for that role. And if you get any way to see her perform, go ahead. And also, Marvel producers, if you're listening, thank you for listening. I would love to see her as Gwen Stacy for oh. a Spider-Verse like live action. I think she would be amazing. I but didn't yeah. see her. She had left by the time I saw it. So. Oh, no. 
I I mean, she's on the original cast album. Yeah, so you have girl girl can belt, which I love. Yeah, she like she knocked it out for sure. And then the other person who blew me away, who should have been Tony nominated, was Leslie Kritzer. she was incredible. I loved her as um, Delia. Yeah, and and also um, Miss Argentina. I, I God, I hope I'm saying the character name right. But she yeah. played she played two characters, and like her dance moves, her singing, her comedy. Oh, it is so hard brilliant. to do. Brilliant. It is so hard to do comedy, especially live. And mm-hmm. oh my God, I just loved everything about her performance. If she listens. I loved everything about your performance. Thank you. You should look up her audition tape online for SNL. It's pretty amazing. Did she audition for SNL? Like many years ago. Yeah. Wow. It's somewhere online. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty pretty great. Hopefully this helps her out. So Lauren Michaels, if you're out there, she gets the recommendation from me. And Patrick, you're well aware that I also had a crush on Carrie Butler from the show. For all of you who don't know, yeah, Patrick was very kind and brought me back a playbill from the show, and ah, he was very nice and got some autographs on it. Yeah, she's she's lovely. Yeah, what's cool with that show was that they had different program um, designs for the last couple of weeks of the show. So like, they're like, come back and see the show again. You can get a new program. Like, collect them all. So I think it was really cool. They they really knew how to get people in there. They lowered prices yeah. for the fans that would see that show. They knew they were in Hamilton or Hades Town. They couldn't charge What's or Moulin Rouge. Is that a new show? <laughs> they couldn't charge those outrageous prices. They had to get the younger hip crowd to come in. And then they also had them design artwork. They chose artwork from the fans yeah. for their playbills. And then I loved the behind the scenes, seeing the artwork that was hung up all over the oh, backstage so theater. Yeah. They, you could just tell the cast and the crew cared about the fans. Speaking of Hades Town, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier. That's what Beetlejuice lost to was Hades Town. So you, you mentioned it. You seemed really happy about it. Well, here's okay. I <laughs> did did Hades Town deserve to win? I didn't see it from everything I've heard and seen. It sounds like Hades Town was the right choice, but I'm glad Beetlejuice was at least recognized for Alex Brightman and the show. Mm-hmm. It should have won the Tony for best set design because that set design for Beetlejuice was on point. They channeled the their yeah. inner Tim Burton meets Broadway perfectly. And then yeah. I have to also give a shout out to Rob McClure. Yeah. He, his Adam was hilarious. I think he would be a perfect Seymour for Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, Patrick, correct me. Didn't you see him in a uh, new Broadway show? If yeah. Correctly? Um, yeah. I saw the the third and last preview of right now, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire on the Broadway. I was and really excited was for incredible. It. Yeah. Well, I was excited for it because, you know, being Beetlejuice fan, I was like, yay, Rob's in that. Yay, Mrs. Doubtfire. Who doesn't love Mrs. Doubtfire? This seems like a slam dunk, easy Broadway adaptation. But then I heard the song about Mrs. Doubtfire using her smartphone app to cook a meal easy peasy. And then I might have saw a 
performance, a clip of this performance and the tap dancing. Oh my God. I got exhausted watching them tap dance to this song, but then you come back to it and go, they made a Broadway song about a smart app helping Mrs. Doubtfire cook. I mean, we don't get her face covered in pie. Because he changes costumes like he he did like I think five changes on stage from I forget the character's name to Mrs. Doubtfire. Like you saw him changing into it. Yeah. So yeah, he definitely did the pie thing at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He he makes the show. He um, he actually was the um, last week I got to speak to him for a few minutes, uh, (gasps) raising money for the Broadway flea market and you get to Whoa. talk to other Broadway peeps and he was one of the people I talked to and he's the loveliest, nicest man you could ever want to meet. Well, Patrick, tell our fans for who don't know what the uh, Broadway flea market is. Tell them what it is. Ah, so the Broadway flea market, um, normally once a year, Broadway comes together and um, Schubert Alley, which is, it's an alley between, um, in the theater district of um, these very famous theaters and they come together and they try to sell stuff. They sell like old t-shirts or autographs. You can meet Broadway actors, get a photo with them to raise money for a great cause. Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. So this year, because, you know, life at the moment, um, they did it virtually. So I got to talk to three Broadway people from my apartment, which is pretty cool. Ah. What a like great my, cause. My, yeah. my, phone, my phone was like, Ron McClure's calling you. I'm like, oh, okay, casual. Did it so, really say that? Uh, Tell me you screenshotted that. <laughs> I didn't, because I was, I, yes, I was nervous. I was making Patrick's sure my Wi-Fi was working. Yeah. Oh, whatever. It's just a normal Saturday <laughs> afternoon. It's I know, true. right? I was like, talk, yeah, that's how I do Oh, yeah, I actually call him Robbie anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, Robbie. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's supposed to be a one-minute conversation. Cut to four minutes later. We're still talking, so I have a, a video of that. <laughs> well, that sounds like a fun time and definitely yeah. for a good cause. And, Absolutely. I mean, if you like learning more about Broadway shows, Patrick, you got me hooked on a YouTube series called Wait in the Wings. And it's they so did... Good. I Well, you got me on the Beetlejuice one, and then I saw they had a Spider-Man turn off the dark one. Yeah. I, I saw it twice on Broadway. I saw it twice. So I saw uh, both versions. I saw both versions. So, yeah. I have it bookmarked on YouTube. I, For all of you who don't know me, and you're probably going to judge me, I, when I was in Broadway, I didn't, or was in New York, I didn't get tickets to see Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. It was sold out the day I was there. I did get a shirt. I had a sweet talking usher, so I have a <laughs> shirt from the show. One of the Broadway stores there a friend of mine was working so i got a free copy of the album so thank you so much for that it it still gets listened to regularly and that was actually the show i almost did tonight so i am very jealous of you but anyways wait in the wings check it out great thing for broadway lovers or who are curious about the shows they he also did one for evil dead the musical which i love Mm -hmm. so it was a lot of fun to watch that Where can you find that? Wait in the Wings on YouTube. I'm going to leave it this way for my thoughts on Beetlejuice. If you like just the not typical Broadway-ness of Book of Mormon, who just went to the extreme and all out, and you also love the we welcome anyone and everyone, no matter how creepy or individual you are, Rocky Horror, 
And then if you just like the boldness of Hamilton wanting to be something different, but also just big, Beetlejuice is for you. Check out Beetlejuice. Um, if you don't think you'll ever catch the show, check out the album. Or if you want to do like Brian, just check out the album. It has a lot of good stuff. I know a friend of mine, I recommended it to her because she's a Paramore fan. And she loved it. April, she loved it because of Sophia Caruso. So that music is just top notch. If, like you said, Patrick, earlier, I love that it wasn't a straight-up adaptation of the movie. They knew they couldn't do that. And Beetlejuice, even right away in the beginning, goes, wow, what a huge departure from the source material. Yeah. So, great right away. I like, a, I like a show that knows what it is. You know, like yep. it sets a tone right. Yeah. Now, be advised, there is some adult language in the yeah. Beetlejuice yeah. musical. Yeah. But... Yeah. It's yeah. done in a fun way. It's not done in a graphic. We're just going to do it to do it. It's done in a comedic right. way. When I heads up, Alex Brightman always picked down one person in the audience for the entire show. So if you go see the show, you're sitting close. Beetlejuice might pick on you the entire show. So, yeah. And it's all in good, good fun to be that it guy. Is. It is. Yeah. Would you guys be okay if they either, what would you prefer? They filmed the production and put it on a streaming service or, or would you prefer they convert it into a movie like Phantom and Mamma Mia? I'm glad I saw Hamilton the way I saw Hamilton. I don't, yeah. I don't want to see a Hollywood production yeah. of it. I want to I just would say show. live. I would say live. I agree. I'm with I you. Just, There's just yeah. so much magic with that production. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think like the effects would only work. They work better on stage than on screen. Check it out. Hopefully it does tour. Hopefully it does find a home on Broadway. But in the meantime, Beetlejuice are not forgotten. So Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. It's showtime. Well, that concludes this episode. We thank you fellow fans for listening. Please give the show a rate or review wherever you listen so we can unite with more fans out there. Fans, let's hear it for this week's guest host, Patrick. Well, it was a pleasure, Patrick, having you here. And feel free to come back and guest host with us anytime. It would be my pleasure. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Next week on UWF. Brian and I will be discussing some of our favorite football movies. So don't call an audible. Stick with us and tune in for that one. For those listeners who want to get in touch with the show, please do so. Brian, tell our listeners how they can message the show and stay up to date on everything UWF. You can follow us on Instagram at United We Fan Podcast, or you can shoot us an email at unitedwefanpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, but for all of our fans out there, if you're interested in having us advertise something for you, just look us up. Let us know. We'll play Let's Make a Deal and see what we can do for each other just so we can help each other grow. Thank you for uniting with us here on United We Fan, the podcast. Listen to us wherever you check out your podcast. Till we unite again, fans, it's over now. The music of the night. Patrabah, come for the hummus, stay for the floor show. And everyone here has a minor in dance.